This is Dave Brown, and welcome to the Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Podcast. As an adventure therapy nonprofit organization, we cater to frontline workers, especially those in the public safety and healthcare sectors. On this podcast, we cover relevant topics to public safety and our frontline workers' overall health by exploring the mental health benefits gained through outdoor recreation, leadership development, and self-improvement. If you have a story you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at frontlinefreedom.org. If you're looking for more information about Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Trips, check out our website at www.frontlinefreedom.org. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Dave and Josh. How you doing, Josh? Good, man. How you doing tonight? I'm good. And uh, welcome back, I should say, because um, you just got back from taking all of our guides on the Grayson Highlands section of the uh, Appalachian Trail. So how was that, man? Is that uh, grueling or what? Uh, yeah, man, it was, it was a good trip. Super good group of guys. Um, the drive down, it was kind of weird. So, uh, so heading down, going down, I think it was interstate 77, West Virginia, Virginia area. And, uh, I had linked up with one of the guides, Gene, and we're tooling along. Next thing I know, I get a text and it was like, Hey, when you go by me wave. And it was from Scott. So I'm like, <laughs> dude, where are you at? He was like, and he, he was right behind Gene, and it was kind of funny. So uh, Rocky, him and Scott rode together, and Rocky just got, you know, I guess you would have had to see it, but he just got a new truck. And so we're all rolling dirty, and everybody had, like, the exact same truck. And I'm like, maybe we should talk <laughs> to Dave about getting these things wrapped frontline, man. Oh, so, but, <laughs> that's that's where it is. You hit me when we're uh, recording. That way I can't right, say Right, right, put you on the spot. But no, yeah. um, so – we got there you know everybody linked up consolidated no issues made it up to the backpacker parking and then uh we ended up climbing we stopped a little short than what we normally do in that area um due to the weather so you know dave right before you hit mount rogers you kind of go through that pine forest yeah so we we ended up stopping in there and uh camped in there for the night and uh it was good i mean it cut down a lot of the wind it was pretty damp that first day and uh i don't know how but uh those guys got a fire going man everything was soaking <laughs> wet but they got a fire going it was awesome no that's a good thing having fire because i think um you know it's kind of funny <laughs> that you said that you guys all started passing each other because the last last year when you and i went down there we hooked up with uh some of the future guides before frontline was a thing and uh we ended up all yeah. hit up the same um it was one of the tool boots we all hit it at the same time somehow so yeah it was a kind of a I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of, it's just fate, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. It's Two kind of neat how row, it works out. Yeah. 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 And fire is key because it but gets yeah, cold the up there. Day went good. It was cold. It was cold. Like I was doing real good that first night, went to bed decent hour and uh, got up. I don't know. It was probably three or three 30. We had a lot of cloud cover. And at some point the clouds, you know, the sky became clear oh, and I got out of my, and, man, it was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> So, Did you guys yeah, have temp- uh, any wild ponies come through your campsite in the middle of the night again? Uh, not in the middle of the night, um, but they, uh, they they were all about Eric. Um, <laughs> they were trying to, he was trying to record them, and they must have thought it was food. They were trying to use cameras. Kind of funny. <laughs> they so, perfect guy yeah, to have that happen. Trip. That's good. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. We had a good. I mean, the second night, the second day, we got really lucky with the weather. Weather kind yeah. of broke. It was kind of cloudy, but perfect day for hiking. Um, had some pretty good views the second day. Made it in the, the cool thing is we made it in the camp probably is before three o'clock. 
So we got camp set up, had a really nice fire. And the second night was a lot of fun, man. You know, guys were kind of starting to click um, around the fire, a lot of storytelling, a lot of laughing, a lot of cutting up. And uh, man, it was, it was a really, really good trip. You know, it's it's good that you bring that up because um, a lot of people question, you know, what do you guys do on frontline? What is it that makes it, you you know, how how is this actually going to benefit me other than just going out and spending a couple nights in the woods? And I tell people the same thing every night. The first night when you're out with a bunch of strangers, you really don't know what to expect. And there's always that hesitation. But the second night, that's kind of when everything just kind of falls in place. You know, everyone's kind of tired, a little bit slap happy. You know, your guard kind of comes down and you kind of start becoming a real person again, rather than this, you know, show that we're so used to putting on when we're around strangers and out in the public. So that's, that's an awesome thing that happens that, especially that second night. That's, uh, (laughs) yeah, man, it was a, uh, really, really good trip. Uh, super, you know, I knew a couple of the guys going in, um, you know, some of the guys I didn't know, but everybody clicked. It was just, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better group of people, man. It was perfect. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good time. And um, one of the things I wanted to um, pick your brain about, because I, I'm very fortunate in Frontline that I have you on on the same team, because, um, you know, I can run spreadsheets and e- send emails out. But when it comes to trip planning, that's where you shine and make all of what Frontline is possible, because I mean, you can't, you can't just look at a map and say, okay, we're going to go here and hike around. It, it doesn't work that way. And there's a lot that goes into it that I don't think not everyone realizes all the planning aspects that goes into keeping everyone safe, you know, weather reports, water supplies, all that stuff. So, you know, kind of on this episode, what I want to do is pick your brain on what goes into planning a backpacking trip. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the first few things I take into account, you know, if it's just say me and you, um, logistically, obviously it's going to be a little bit easier, you know, just because, you know, I know your background, I know, you know what I mean? But, you know, with frontline, for instance, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't know the guys coming in. So, um, I have to take that into account. You know, everybody's going to come with, you know, different, uh, skills, different strengths, different weaknesses. And and that's what's kind of cool because it's kind of a team environment at that point. So, um, usually what I'll do, I'll, I'll pick an area. So for instance, Hey, we're going to go to Grayson Highlands. So I'll start looking, you know, at, at all the, not only the Appalachian trail, but what are all the side trails and depending on vehicles, you know, let's say you only have one vehicle, then I'm probably going to look for a loop trail because logistically, you know, walking in a circle and coming back to my car is going to be easier than, you know, trying to, you know, book a shuttle, you know, if I'm working, you know, along the Appalachian trail where I'm, you know, just trying to simplify it as much as possible. Um, so, you know, that, that that's the first thing, just, you know, Hey, where am I going? you know, what's, what's the weather like? What's the terrain like? What's more importantly, what's, what's the water resources around there? You know, for instance, we had that one day we did November and the more research I did, a a lot of the streams due to mining from years ago had a very high uh, metal content and even filter just wasn't safe to drink. Yeah. So, you know, that was something we had to take in into our planning. Um, you know, with Grayson, Hey, you know, you're, you're pretty decent elevation, uh, water sources, uh, surprisingly this time we're a little scarce, uh, compared really? to last year. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it really was. So, um, I changed the route up a little bit from when you and I went, Dave. Yeah. So, so when you and I went, we went, uh, 
when we hit, we, we hiked up to the Appalachian Trail, which is about a mile. And then we headed south on the trail and uh, moving towards Mount Rogers. And then we ended up camping there and there. What was it? Thomas Knopf Shelter, I think was the name of it. Yeah. yeah but yeah, then right we, the we stayed on the AT. Yeah. So we stayed on the AT until we got, got on the other side of Mount Rogers. And then uh, we ended up picking up Mount Rogers Trail heading north to, I think it was Lewis Fork Trail. And that dropped us down behind Mount Rogers on the north side, uh, dropped us down into a valley. Um, which was a really good water resupply point for us. Um, so a couple different things for this trip, you know, I didn't go that route. And, and, and there were some things that I thought, hey, you know, with time constraints, not, you know, this first time I'd ever been out with this group collectively. So, you know, hey, you know, what's, you know, what's everybody's experience levels? What's everybody's, you know, physical fitness levels? What's ever, these are all the things you take into account, you know, experience levels, things to take into account is, you know, are they carrying too much weight? Are they, you know, and these are things you have to think about when you start planning these trips because you don't want to run somebody into the ground. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that would be unenjoyable is, for everybody at that point. Right. Yeah. This isn't a gut check. I mean, this is, hey, let's get out and, you know, have a good time and, you know, enjoy, enjoy the company, enjoy the outdoors and, you know, and everything in between. So, I went to bed that night and uh, looking at the weather. So I was going over the map a little bit. And so we ended up backtrack, backtracking to the north, the Appalachian Trail for, I don't know, a half mile and picked up a side trail. I think it was called Crest Trail. And that, that shot us due north um, for about four miles, three and a half miles to uh, members. We were planning on going to scales last year. Yeah. We had that big snowstorm that came in and kind of ruined our plans. Yeah. Yeah. So the trail that we kind of last second picked up and headed back towards the Appalachian Trail when we climbed that cliff. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> That's a good, the, oh, oh, yeah. The, I'll never forget that the, cliff. Yeah, the death march. Yeah, uh, that, that was so, what you referred to earlier as a gut check. That that let you know who was who was legit and who wasn't. And, um, yeah, yeah, that was hard. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling sorry for myself that day. But uh, so we know, day we were in that trail to the north, and that dumped us into scales. Um so once we got in scales, it's about lunchtime. And uh, the the first time that I'd went to that area with with a, a, a good friend of mine back in, I think it was 2018, him and I, we, that's the day we had to push like a really long day because we were out of water and, and couldn't find a water resupply. Um, it was warmer weather. It's kind of hot. But so located that water resupply point, which is a – uh, a spring, but uh, surprisingly, it was dried up uh, oh. this time. Yeah, that's, so yeah, that's not good. Yeah, so, yeah. So fortunately, I mean, everybody was still good on water. Um, but once we got back up on the Appalachian Trail um, from Scales, heading which we were, yeah, I guess we we're heading back south because we kind of did a big loop towards Wise Shelter. You know, we, we passed. If somebody would have needed water, you know, we, we we passed a couple intermittent streams. But once we made it to Wise Shelter, man, it was an absolutely beautiful mountain stream. I mean, water was plentiful at best. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, you know, water is one of the big things, man. I mean, if if you're not drinking water, your guys don't have the ability to drink water. It, you know, it can go from a fun trip to, okay, th this is this could get foolish, you know. Yeah. D depending on temperature and people's physical fitness levels amongst other things. 
So but, leading up to the trips, what are you doing to look for where your water resupply is? Are you using just topo maps or are you going by, you know, you Googling water supply? How, how do you go about finding where your, your water resupplies are going to be? Yeah. So, you know, on the Appalachian Trail, there's an app called Gut Hooks. Um, you know, anybody's going to hike the Appalachian Trail or any of the, the major uh, trail systems in the United States, Gut Hooks is a phenomenal resource. Yeah, and the gut hooks uh, is set up in sections, so you don't have to buy the whole thing, correct? You can just buy whatever section you're yes. going to. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm on the Appalachian Trail, for me, that's one of the I, I, I really like that. It it just really simplifies things. Um, I don't have a GPS yet, which one of these days you think I would catch up with the time. So <laughs> a lot of times I'll order a, you know, a, a topo map of whatever area I'm going to. Um and I usually have that with me anyway, just as just as a secondary. Um, but yeah, you know, using that, you can kind of, I mean, common sense dictates that, you know, there's typically going to be water in the low ground. Um, but, you know, a lot of times on those maps, you know, they're going to show intermittent streams, you know, different types of water sources, things like that. Uh, another resource, you know, especially if you're going to the Appalachian Trail, uh, there's the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, which is out of Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. But you can pick up what's called an AWOL, which is kind of it's kind of a guidebook. Um, another really, really good resource. Um, now I know Dave, you've downloaded, I can't remember which one you had. Did you have the Gaia or did you have Yeah, I use Gaia because it has um if you get the subscription, you have access to all of the natural or excuse me, the National Geographic um topographical maps. And with updates to I don't know if it's on this if it's like this for Android phones, but for iPhone users, your GPS will actually work without a cell coverage. So leading up to the trip, I'll download um, all the topographical maps, including the natural or National Geographic um, maps, which have your water resupplies and, um, you know, kind of has like the mileage for the section that you're on um, built in. So I can just pull up my phone and it's it's almost like having a GPS. In fact, I use a, uh, a Garmin 66i is what I use as like a satellite communicator just in case somebody gets hurt. But um, I find myself using the Gaia with my cell phone. I just put it in airplane mode, but the GPS still works on it. So um, okay. that's what we were using the last time we went. We kept looking that up to kind of find shortcuts because of that storm that was coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a combination of, I mean, and I'll tell you, the internet's also a good resource. You know, if you're going to whatever trail, there's a lot of different, you know, people that have posted articles where they've hiked that trail and and you can, there's a lot of good information. Um, My advice before you go on, go out on the trip, you know, easiest saying, Hey, pick the area you want to go logistically. Hey, you know, is there a loop trail that I can do, or am I going to have to find a shuttle, or am I going with somebody else where we're driving separate vehicles, drop a vehicle, drive down to the trailhead, and then walk back to the other guy's vehicle? So, you know, once you get that down, you know, and then it, you just determine, you know, hey, you know, wh- where are my water sources? You know, where do I plan to camp? Um, you know, and I would even say, hey, you know, have have a primary, and it doesn't hurt to have a secondary also because you know, maybe the train's a little rougher than you anticipated and you weren't able to get the mileage. And I, I learned that the hard way, uh, my first trip to the AT, you know, I thought, Hey, I I should be able to do X amount of miles an hour. So, you know, I'm going to do plan to do this many miles a day. And I literally walked from sunup until almost nine 30 at night and I was gone. Yeah. (laughs) And, And what I had learned is, you know, I, on the trail, I, I wasn't, I didn't have the ability to, to put it in the mile in the miles that that I thought I could do. 
So, you know, one of the things I found, especially with like uh, group trips, you, you know, like there's a group of guys I, I hook up with every October, some really old friends of mine. And we're more about, you know, cause we're friends from 25 years ago, more about spending more time in camp and, and catching up. So we, you know, I figure I average for us about a mile and a half a day. So what I'll do, I'll walk 45 minutes and we take 15, you know, that way, you know, you don't have different, you know, physical fitness levels, different, whatever. And it works out really good because everybody can walk 40, 45 minutes and, and it goes relatively quick. Yeah. Um, you know, and that gives, so, you know, by the end of the day, you do an eight hour day and, you know, six to eight mile days of a relatively comfortable day without, you know, crushing guys, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, and I think and that's, you know, that's different time depending on what trail you're on too, because I know there's parts of um, like at Grayson prime example, some of those climbs, a four mile day there will feel like an eight mile climb somewhere else, you know, just because oh, it's yeah. such a, a harder trail. So I think sometimes you got to, at least for me, you know, I try not to get too hung up on how many miles I need to go, but um, make it reasonable, I guess, based on what the terrain's looking like. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, so, you know, once I've kind of determined, hey, where am I going? Where where's, where do I plan to camp or, or what are potential camp spots for day one, day two, day three? And, and, and ha- have a couple depending on, hey, how's the day going? How's everybody feeling that if we need to hold up short or we want to push a longer day? you're not have to figure it out on the fly. You've already kind of, you know, planned a primary secondary in maybe even an alternate. Um, and then, uh, so especially with the groups, you know, once you get into camp, it, it, it's pretty simple. Everybody's going to do their own thing. But as far as like, once I've seen a train and looking at the weather forecast and I kind of determine, Hey, what kind of gear am I going to need? I mean, you're, you're going to have your tent or your hammock. You're going to have your pack and you're going to have your sleeping bag. That's, you know, and you're, you're going to have a water filtration system. That's, you know, that right off the top. Okay. Um, really the only thing for me that I, I guess goes into planning is looking at the weather is, you know, what, what kind of clothes am I going to wear? You know, for instance, like Friday night when we went there to Grayson, you know, it was cold. So I had um, a complete change of clothes because fortunately I got wet from the rain and sweat, but I had dry clothes to change into once in camp. So that just consisted of a dry pair of socks, um, which were also my sleep socks, um, dry pair of pants, dry, uh, like wicking long sleeve shirt. And then I had my base layer. I had a, a Patagonia uh, grid fleece hoodie type thing. And then um, on top of that, I have a rain jacket as well as my puffy jacket. So, you know, when you pack your clothes, pack them like almost like a a layering system. If not, you'll have a tendency to overpack. Um, And then, you know, the next morning I put my dirty wet clothes back on and I keep those dry clothes for for camp just because it's it is comfortable. Yeah. And Um, and that's and that's important part that I think people don't realize about, uh, especially backpacking is rewearing dirty, nasty clothes from the day before, you know, there's this, there's this thing in people's mind where like, oh, I got to put clean clothes on fresh, but you are out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody cares. And that's, you know, I, I lock, I watch a lot of, um, you know, I guess YouTube videos of, uh, through hikers where they're like, don't even bother with deodorant. It's not going to keep up anyway. So, you know, you just kind of right. have to embrace the fact that you're a nasty person until you're done. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, my, my summer, I guess, clothing system, 
you know, layering system is going to be a little bit different from fall, winter, spring. Um, you know, for summer, you know, if you get, say, those those uh, pants, you can zip the legs off. You know, if you buy two pairs of the same color, and, and if, actually a friend of mine turned me on to this, and I was like, wow, I would have never thought about that. But you can bring two pair, you know, the pair, the shorts aspect that you're going to hike in, and then the pair of shorts or the same pants for night, same color, and then just take one pair of legs. You know what oh, I mean? So, yeah. yeah, it's it's not a huge weight savings, but, you know, if you can do that, you know, across the board with all your gear, it, it, it starts adding up. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Yeah. So, you know, that was something really simple. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really, really good idea. So, um, and in the summer, you know, I really don't worry about a puffy jacket. I may take my Patagonia zip up to sleep in if it gets chilly at night, you know what I mean? And a rain jacket. So, you know, I have my dry clothes, my Patagonia fleece and a rain jacket, you know, for summer months, you know, that should be more than, and sufficient to not only be comfortable, but absolutely, you know, if, if it was dangerous where I, I could sustain in that if I had to. Now, when you were planning a trip out, um, do you find it beneficial to like pull up YouTube of, you know, whatever that section is that you're going to do, or do you find that information within YouTube? Cause there's a ton of people that, that flock to social media and they, they post all their, their pictures, their trail reports, you know, what it looks like coming through. Do you find that beneficial or does that, you know, give people false information or, or something that might get them hurt by pulling up videos? Um, I mean, I, I think it's going to be different for each person. And, and the, the reason that I say that, like, like for me, um, I mean, it's kind of nice to see the area, but without being, I guess, properly oriented where I'm just watching a video, you know, it doesn't give me a lot of context, you know, cause you're seeing, you know, over this 24 hour period, you may be watching a five, 10 minute video. So you're not seeing not only the time frames from, Hey, camp to the first water resupply point to, um, so it, it I mean, it is, any information is good information. Um, I, I think you have to, confirm it with other sources whether it's topography you know your topographical map your gps your gut hooks um you know combining all those to to try to paint you know the the clearest picture you can so you know you don't have to work through those contingencies on the fly when you're out in the woods you can just you have a contingency in place and you're just out there enjoying yourself Yeah, that's well, that's the important thing is that you're enjoying yourself. You know, I unfortunately see a lot of people that um, come out ill prepared or underprepared, I guess, and they have a miserable time. Um, And that's, you know, that that can turn people away, especially if they're new into the the sport or hobby of of backpacking or section hiking um, in particular. I I see that being a huge turnoff for people. So shifting gears. how do you plan your meals out? What do you, what are you looking at as far as what you're packing? How much weight are you going to pack um, for, you know, say you're well, just like this past weekend, what did that look like to you? Well, that was two nights and three days of, of hiking. How's that look for you? Yeah. So I, and, and Dave, you know, and that's something um, I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember the trip you and I did where, you know, I was like, Oh, Hey, carbs is going to be what I need. <laughs> yeah. You almost died. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a rough trip, but anyway, yeah. um, I would say, you know, depending on a person, I would say, you know, you're going to figure if you're looking at weight, I would say easily a pound and a half to potentially two pounds a day is what it's going to equate to. 
Um, I have a system and that works for me and I almost never deviate from it because I found it works. My energy levels I can sustain. Um, you know what I mean? So I'm sure there's, there's better options out there, but for me personally, you know, um, I'll have those instant packs of oatmeal in the morning, usually two of them. Um, I personally like the flavored ones because you don't have to carry any, like whether it's sugar or so, you know, like two packets of peaches and cream oatmeal. Um, and then because, you know, all I need is water um, and usually a cup of coffee in the morning. And, and, and that, you know, that gets me going. Um, usually I'll have some stuff for like, you know, I'll put like mid morning snacks, you know, in, in my cargo pocket of my pants. And that may consist of like a protein bar could consist of uh trail mix, beef jerky, you know, something you like. Um, what I have found is cheese as it sounds. I love something sweet for my mid-morning snack. You know, something as simple as like a kid's fruit snacks. I'll demolish those things. <laughs> like gushers uh, or what are you talking, fruit roll-ups here? Yeah, yeah man. And I don't yeah. know why, but man, I put one of those in my mouth and it's just like, oh yeah, this what? is living. I think after you got back from Vermont, we talked about your affinity for candy corn, and I was appalled that you admitted it to everybody that you're a big candy corn fan, but it's kind yeah, of the same I principle, right? Not that you busted me out, but yeah, I wasn't going to admit that, <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, when we went to Vermont, I was digging on candy corn and peanuts, man. I'd made like a couple little bags of it, and when I would stop, it's like I couldn't get enough of it. I was crushing it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, like, you know, a snack, kind of snack on through, you know, while you're walking. Um Usually for lunch, for me, and I don't like tuna. However, it is very convenient. Um, those kind of foil packets of tuna, there's whether it's barbecue or ranch, um, I don't enjoy it. But, you know, what I have found through hiking, it seems I do better with a higher, for my main meals, a higher protein content. I, I seem to feel better throughout the day, have more sustained energy. Yeah. Now, have you ever tried the Kodiak cakes, instant oatmeals uh, for your breakfast? Because those are, I can't remember what they are, but there's some ungodly number of protein that are packed in. They're a little bit pricey for what they are, but um, that's usually what I take is those because that protein factor. I didn't know if you'd ever tried those or not. Huh, no, never tried. I'll have to give them a shot. Yeah, those are those are uh, the way to go because I want to say each packet is like 13 grams of protein. So I usually just uh, rip two of them open, throw them in my jet boil, you know, hot water, eat it, and I'm good to go for, for a while. Okay. So, you know, just uh, something else that might work for you. If not, no worries. You know, go stick what works for you. But that, that yeah. did it for me. So anyway, go ahead. So, yeah. So usually, you know, because, you know, kind of I don't dig the tuna. It's just kind of a, a necessity. Um, usually, you know, for my, uh, there's not really dessert, but something at lunch that I'm like, okay, Hey, you suck down these packets of tuna. Now this part you're going to enjoy, um, you know, could be something as simple as, uh, um, dehydrated fruit or like, I, I love dehydrated pineapple. I don't know why, but I love that stuff. And that's kind of like, you know, kind of a treat, I guess, for lack of better terms. Um, and then usually, you know, whatever snack, protein bar in the afternoon or, you know, candy corn and peanuts, you know, whatever, <laughs> just to on, on, you know, when you stop for breaks, you know, and then usually dinner, um, I personally, you know, everybody's got their own thing. I really kind of dig on those backpacker pantry meals. Um, what's your flavor? What's your all time favorite flavor? You're going to laugh, dude. I got a new one, but. Chili, dude, you you can't go wrong with Chili Mac. I mean, oh no, no, yeah, Chili Mac's where it's at, dude. 
but yeah, so, you know, um, and that's, that's kind of what I like. And then, you know, I'll tell you what's really nice. Cause you know, take like a little thing, a Mio, um, you know, after you filtered your water, dump that Mio in your water bottle. Is that the little um, squirt packets that they sell those little, you know, like one or two ounce little, I don't know. Bottles. Tri- yeah. yeah. And it's just like a flavoring, right? Yeah, that's it. You okay. know, and it's, you know, I, I, I kind of enjoy that with my dinner or even, you know, you know, lunch, just a, something with some flavor. Um, but I mean, that for me, that's typically all I'll do. Um, you know, I may have like a little snack for dinner or, you know, um, whether, you know, if you can drink coffee and still go to sleep, I can't, but you know, maybe, Hey, you want some decaffeinated coffee sitting around the fire at night or, um, you know, whatever. So actually this time I kind of cheated. Dudes are laughing at me. Like I packed in a cherry Coke. Actually, I'm, they're going to, they're going to bust me out. I actually packed in two cherry Coke. So I had the cherry <laughs> Coke both nights and okay. it was, all kind of secrets are coming out tonight, huh? Yeah. I was like, you know, if there wouldn't have been like eight other dudes there, I would just stuck with, you know, one cherry Coke, but that's not the truth. But yeah, man, <laughs> just something. Hey, when I get into camp, I got something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Those small treats keep you going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've each got our, our own little thing. Um, I, I like that you brought up the, uh, dehydrated pineapple though because i i think the the big thing that uh people take for granted is how much energy is in dried fruit i mean that those are just i mean it's basically a pre-workout is what you're what you're eating i mean there's so much energy in those things so that's that's a good source of mm-hmm. food to kind of keep you going especially for the snack times oh yeah absolutely you know it's just you know for me i would say that that's that's my average day typically um you know, you know, and depending on where I'm at now for me, uh, I drink a lot of water. I've had some heat injuries in the past. So most people get by there's guys that are camels and they can get by on one liter carrying one liter. Um, I, for years I carried two and then, you know, I had that, uh, one trip we went on where water was scarce and man, there wouldn't have been. So now just for safety purposes, I'll usually, and I know it's heavy and a lot of guys are like, why are you doing that? But I'd rather have it, not need it. I, I usually carry, you know, when, when I break camp in the morning, I usually, you know, I'll have at least two liters, depending on how warm it's going to be, potentially three, you know, what the water source is. But it's nothing to have, you know, an, an empty bottle in your, in your pack. That way, if you're going to hit a, a dry area, hey, man, throw, throw another liter, you know, fill yeah. that third liter up and go. It's crazy to me how many people, you know, talk about this water debate on how much you should carry and how much isn't enough. And yes, water's heavy and it sucks to lug it, but I'm similar to you where I I have to have water. I mean, I just drink it constantly. So it's not going to be heavy for long because I end up drinking it, but it surprises me how many people are, are against carrying extra water. And I just think personally, I think that that's a dangerous precedence because like you said, you end up in a dry area. I'd rather have more weight and more water so I can get myself through it rather than, you know, risk a heat injury or dehydration or something worse. Yeah. In, in this trip, you know, we, we knew we were going to have, I wouldn't call it cold, but you know, a couple chilly nights and uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think I texted you, but I think my base weight was like 19 pounds, which, you know, isn't, you know, I'm not going to fall into that ultra light category, but you know, it's, it's very manageable, you yeah. know, three, you know, let's say, you know, cause food, I didn't really have the only day I really had say roughly two pounds of food would have been the second day. So I had like, you know, uh, a snack and a dinner for day one, 
you know, obviously day two, I had all three meals and then day three, I had coffee and breakfast. So, you know, I was able to, to save a little bit of weight, you know, with, because of the limited time we we're out there with food. Um, but yeah, so I had 19 pounds base weight and probably, and I'm guessing five, six pounds of food. Um, so, you know, I, I was well, well under 30 pounds, um, yeah. a manageable load. You know, there's guys that are like, Hey, if you're not, you know, sub 15, but I, you know, I can't do that. I'm 225 pounds. Like (laughs) the guys that are doing that, they don't require a lot of calories to keep moving. You know, your your smaller stature people, you know, like they've been hiking for so many years. They're just, you know, they, it's like ultra runners, you know, they're, they're usually very built, um, very thin and and leaned out just from doing it for so much. And and I'm I'm like you at, at 220. I'm yeah, I gotta, I got to have some substance. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not. Uh, like, I'm not, I'm not going it. out there to be hungry. I mean, right, I'm going no. to enjoy myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if I could well, get a pizza delivered to me, I might even consider it. But I don't think, know. don't think I have it. I've actually. <laughs> well, you know, some, some of the some areas doctors. we go, you can actually, I mean, you can, some yeah. of the emergency exits out, or I mean, it's maybe a half mile of a straight shot right out to a road. So you could, in theory, have. You know, something there's to to you if you certain need. shelters along the Appalachian Trail. There are pizza, local pizza delivery that it'll deliver like. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, you know, the thing is, you know, do the work up front. You know, don't just do the work up front. You know, know where you know where you're going, obviously. Know where you plan on camping. Have a, at least a secondary depending on how you're feeling that way, if you need to stop short or, Hey, I'm feeling good. I can push farther. Um, you know, have planned breaks in there. You know, my, my first, I tripped along the Appalachian trail. I, I, I didn't. And I literally ran myself into the ground. Cause I thought, Hey, I should, you know, when I was a young guy, I could cover four miles an hour. So I don't think three miles an hour is unreasonable. Um, I was wrong. I mean, I had literally walked from dark to dark because I thought I should be able to cover X amount of miles today. And man, it took all the fun out of it. So, you know, the second time I went, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I'm going to look anywhere from a six to 10 mile day. If I'm tired, I stop at six. If I'm feeling good, I'll push to 10. But that eight, that eight's in there. If I want a middle ground and just, you know, ha- have all those along the way, know where all your water sources are. Cause it's not uncommon. You come to the first one, it may be dried up. Um, my advice, you come to any water source, you know, drink a liter, you know, and filter a liter because the next one, you just, you don't know what's, you know, going to be down the trail and five miles, you know, maybe that next water source is dried up. And so, you know, just be smart about it. Don't rush, take your time, you know, haste makes waste. So just take your time and enjoy yourself. Well, and I know it's a romanticized view, but what you are talking about doing that work up front and um, knowing exactly what's happening is the story of Chris McCandless, which is um, if anyone's ever seen the movie Into the Wild, it's about the uh, the guy who graduates college, turns in or uh, cashes out his trust fund and um, sells everything he owns and just takes off on foot. And he ends up going to Alaska in the uh, school bus, which if you've just seen, they've recently removed the school bus because so many people have tried to recreate his journey. Um, but he ended up dying out there in the wild. And the problem with his death, uh, you know, as tragic as it is, is that he wasn't prepared. And if he had a map of the area, he would have seen that there were other shelters and, um, access points to get help. Um, 
within a day's hike of where he ended up uh, ultimately passing away. And it's, it's kind of a tragic story, but it's a reminder to, you know, do that work on the front and know where you're going and know how to get out of it once you get in there. Um, yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, and I always say we learn from other people so that they don't die in vain. And uh, that's just another example of, you know, unfortunately this young man lost his life out of it. And if you haven't watched into the wild, it's a, it's a great film, um, but it's a very preventable outcome, I guess, is the best way that I could sum that up. Yeah. And that's, you know, just, you know, don't, like I said, don't rush. And, you know, the thing is, you know, I know, you know, I've, I've run into guys where, where they don't have, you know, secondary form of navigation. They're, you know, they're relying on their phone or gut hooks or a GPS, you know, and, and, and hey, that's great, man. You know, technology is great. It works a lot of the time and, until it doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, at least have a map, have some form of, you know, means to navigate, whether it's, you know, a, a, a little compass, you know, whatever, j- just something. Cause in the event of an emergency, um, you know, you, you don't need to try to figure that stuff out. You already need to have that plan in place and Hey, this happened. And, and, and this is how we're going to um, proceed from here. Yeah. And even though we're not sponsored by them, unless they're listening and want to chip in, um, REI actually does a great job about if you tell them where they're going, where you were going, they'll point you to what map you need and get a compass that lines up to it. And they have a lot of tutorials about how to use, you know, just the old school um, paper azimuth and, and hit your line of sights and try to figure out where you are. Like they do a great video series and they'll actually teach it to you in store. So I highly recommend having that because like you said, technology is great until it doesn't work. And then you're kind of right. stuck out there. And if you don't have a, a paper map to at least rely on as a backup and know how to use it, secondly, um, you kind of get in these predicaments that you're hard to get out of. So good advice. Well, just like, you know, last year, we and I were at Grayson, we, you know, we, we found out once we were out there, we got a, a pretty good snowstorm coming in and, you know, really what got us out. I mean, we, we would have gotten out regardless. However, I think we probably used the old top of map more than we used any other resources we had. We did. Yeah. Because I had my GPS program with all the routes and all the hikes and everything else. But at the end of the day, we were pulling up the Nat Geo map and looking at, okay, how do we get out of here quickly? And that's, that's ultimately, like you said, what we ended up doing and just ended up getting out. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is have a primary and at least have a secondary of everything because if something breaks, something goes down, you don't need to try to figure that stuff out there. It can ruin a trip. So, and it's just about enjoying it. Yes, absolutely. Enjoying and doing it safe. So, well, I appreciate you uh, taking time to kind of explain this. Hopefully this gives everyone an idea of what goes into trip planning because it's not just go to a park and then just hope for the best for three days. It's actually a lot of planning. And um, I can say from experience being with you, Josh, uh, usually that planning starts two to three months in advance. And then as we hit the four week out mark, it's usually a weekly update. Like this is what the weather pattern's looking like. Um, so we can plan for routes and alternates if needed. So there's a lot that goes into it. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, if anyone has any questions or needs follow-up on anything, hit us at uh, podcast at frontlinefreedom.org and we'll be sure to get on here and answer questions. So thanks for coming in, Josh. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at frontlinefreedom.org. And if you're looking for more information on Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy trips, check out our website at www.frontlinefreedom.org.